soteriology. It's the study of salvation, and that is going to be our topic today as we continue Theology 101, just an overview of the basics of Christian theology. My name is Dan. I'm with Ben. We are the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship in suburban Charlotte, North Carolina. Ben, we started this topic uh, last episode, yeah. and today we're going to continue it. We kind of started off with the the controversial Calvin and— Yeah, election. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the work of salvation— prior to creation, right? Yep. So now we're getting into the what happens at the moment of salvation, mm -hmm. okay? And the, the Bible, I mean, I've got a list of terms here that just require, I mean, we're just going to just go yeah, through Yeah, you're going to work through a list. <clears throat> but I mean, if you're in a position right now where you can grab a, a pen and piece of paper, I would highly recommend it just so that you can go back and, and kind of review these words. But these are terms with which you should at least be somewhat familiar yeah, yeah. as you're growing in your Christian walk and in your discipleship journey. Uh, because each, this is like looking at a gemstone. Each mm. one of these words mm. represents a facet of the gem that is salvation. Yeah. And it's, these are, sometimes these words feel heady, but they're biblical words. They're words that the biblical authors use to describe salvation. Yeah. And if I could just, a little mini Dan rant here, yeah. you know, let's not... People who say theology is hard, oh, get, shut up, all right? I'm, I'm serious. You know, do you only do easy things in your life? It's not hard, but it does require a little focus. There's nothing more important than our eternal destination. So we we really need to be students I mean, of it's, this. I mean, it's funny to me how so many people that, that complain about the depth of, of you know, oh, it's just so hard to understand, but they'll spend, you know, 10,000 hours studying Pokemon. Yeah. And, 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 or they can and, tell you and, everybody and, that's and, up for trade this and, year in the NFL. And the intricacies of, you know what I mean? Like, like you, you will care about the things that are important to yeah. you and dig into things that you feel like are interesting. They yeah. need to have the attitude of Tom Hanks in a league of their own. It's the hard that makes it good. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad used to say hard things are seldom easy. Easy yes. things are seldom right. Yes. So anyway. Yeah. All right, here we go. Okay. So the first term we're going to talk about is regeneration. The regeneration, we, we see this in, in Titus chapter three, verse five. Um, Jesus talks about this when he talks about the concept of being born again, but it's God's work of imparting new life to those who believe. And so there's this idea that we have been given new life in Christ. We are new creation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, born again, John 3. So like the, this is a this is a concept found in in the teaching of the New Testament. Um the, the next term is repentance. And and this is the idea of acknowledging and turning away from sin and towards Jesus. There's this idea of you know, the, the Hebrew word for repentance really conveys this idea of to turn the the other direction. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which means to change your mind. And so there's, I, I think both those words encompass the fullness of what repentance means. A lot of times people, want, when we think of the word repentance, we think of weeping and crying and an emotional thing, but really it's a it's a turning from and turning to. It's turning from sin, turning from self, turning towards Jesus. It's a change in mind. And so you see Peter calling out people to repent uh, in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, that there's this sense of you have to acknowledge what you've done wrong and then repent. That's that's what it means. Um, the next word is faith. And faith means 
placing complete trust in Jesus' work for salvation. We see this in Romans 10, chapter 10, verses 9 through uh, 10, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Uh, it is by grace that we are saved through faith. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. There is this idea of that we do not do anything to earn or work for our salvation. I've always heard that, you know, repentance and faith are kind of like two two different sides of the same coin. Um, you cannot truly place your faith and trust in something unless you repent from something, right? So, you know, these are all things when it comes to um, repentance and faith. It's that real work of of expressing our our complete trust in knowledge saying, Jesus, I'm trusting what Christ accomplished for me on the cross and in the resurrection for my salvation. So now here's the here's the question, Dan. Here's the million dollar question. You ready for this? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um what comes first, regeneration or faith? This is the Oh yeah, that's, that's this is that's the age debated. old this yeah, is the right. age old debate of what what transpires first. Is the the Arminian way of salvation is the belief that once you someone places their faith in Christ, then they are regenerated. The Calvinist view is that we are regenerated before we place our faith and trust in him. Yeah, well, that's such a linear question, and and to me, it also contradicts the idea of foreknowledge, predestination mm. anyway. Yeah. God already knows what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I would just, I'd prefer to say they're two sides of the same coin. You need both. Yeah. And you can't, yeah, you can't, It's an, there's no such thing as, a, as someone who's regenerated who doesn't place faith and yeah, trust. Yeah, and to me, it's a little bit of a straw man and yeah. that it's, it's it's really irrelevant in it. If you don't have one, you have neither. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, th- these are one of these fine point debates that go on within a lot of theological, really in, in seminaries and those kinds of things. Or people really need to get a Really, life. really want to know what to happens. some real people. If you're going to put a gun to my head, I would say that regeneration happens prior to faith, but I don't believe that it's... Uh, I don't believe it's like you're regenerated for like minutes or anything like that. I think it is such a just almost nanosecond kind of thing in the in the timeline of yeah. Because theologically, we'd ask the question: Can regeneration actually occur without faith? Right. Exactly. And would a person who is not being regenerated or know what they have faith? Right. Exactly. So I I just think it's something that. And after this, we'll discuss which came first, the chicken (laughs) or the egg. So these are all things that people tended to discuss and talk about, but but those the regeneration, repentance, and faith those are all kind of like clumped together for for people. Um, now we're going to get into what happens after faith. Okay, um, these terms really convey the change in nature or the change in relationship that we have with God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. So the first one is justification. Um, we see there's a great paragraph in, in, in fact, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pull it up, but, but Romans chapter three, and and I think it was, it was um, uh, Martin Luther that said that this, this paragraph was the most important paragraph in all, of, in all of scripture, but it says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in that is in Christ Jesus, through whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood 
to be received by faith. This is to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, big terms in there, mm-hmm. right? The terms that that we see in there, justification, propitiation, redemption. Those are really big terms. And those are the next big three terms I want to talk about. And, and the term justification simply means to be declared righteous. It's the act of God by which he puts someone in the right position or in the position of righteousness. So it's this idea that when you when you and I place our faith and trust in God, the righteousness of God has been is attributed now to us through through Jesus. Where you and I are not righteous though, like we are not, you know, practically speaking, you and I still sin. But there's a transfer of status legally that that Christ puts us in a new a new relationship, a new act of this is you are now declared righteous by God because we are underneath the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what the word justification means. So when you see this, uh, you know, Paul wrote an entire letter on this, and we studied this in our um, in our sermon series in Galatians. This idea that we are we are not we do not earn or work for a proper status before God. We are given to we, it is it is an act of God's grace when we place our faith and trust in him. So I think that's really important. The next word is propitiation. And propitiation is simply this idea that God's wrath was satisfied through the the, the act of Jesus's sacrifice. And so um, this is this idea. I know some people hate this word. People, Some people hate the word propitiation today. Really? Oh, yeah. Because it's this idea that God is wrathful and he has to punish. And, you know, he's, it's, it's almost like, this sense of God is really mean, but I, I think one of the things I mean, some some theologians recently have. I mean, it's almost like cosmic child abuse that they've commits against God the Son, so mm-hmm. that we could be you know set free. But I think one of the things that you have to understand is our sense of justice is so skewed. We cannot we cannot project our understanding of justice onto God based on our perspective of things. And if God, if the Bible is, if it says that God cares about sin and that there is a consequence for sin and that God's wrath is against sin, then I, I, I don't want to project my own value set onto God because I think it's one of these things where, again, it's our, it's our own Western ignorant, not ignorance, pride that says, oh, we have a stronger sense of justice than God does. Now, if you go to the Eastern way of things, all right, if you go over to India, they have they have no problem with this. They have a problem with grace. They have a problem with God allowing sinners to not pay for their sins into heaven. They have no problem of God pouring out his wrath on something because they have a, they have a, a different sense of justice than Westerners do. And so I think for both groups of people, they they are confronted when the gospel is confronted with them, they have to confront this idea of, well, I don't like a God who does that, yeah. right? And so I think both groups of people have to lay down what they like and say, God, obviously, we have to come to what God 
holds yeah. to be true. Does that make I, sense? I, I think this is one of the most important issues that evangelicalism is struggling with today, and it needs to be discussed more because what we have constantly, what we constantly see are people trying to remake God into something that's politically palatable, socially pal- palatable, mm-hmm. culturally palatable, or worse yet, just palatable to me. Mm-hmm. And so we refashion and reform God into the image of ourselves mm-hmm. when really the pursuit of God, you know, has to begin with the assumption is we don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. We may not even like all the answers we find, mm. but we are on a journey to find, explore, understand, know God. And God, by his very defi- definition, is the is the ultimate authority. Mm. And until we are willing to accept God just as he is, we will never become what we should be yeah. in, as created in his image. Yeah, I think there there's, there's something about the wrath of God that makes a lot of modern people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And... You just... Well, and we bought into this, and, and it, I think it goes back to Marxism, the, this notion mm-hmm. that that equality is nirvana. Mm-hmm. We were not created to be equal. We were always created to be in submission to God. Mm-hmm. And as long as we have this nagging thing in the back of our head, that's what got Lucifer in trouble. He was not happy with his his position in mm-hmm. the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And as long as and, and as long as our prideful desire is to get what was not ours, or what was not designed for us to have, it will give root to pride mm. and pride gives root to rebellion. Mm. And in doing so, then we put ourselves at odds with the authority, which is God. Yeah. yeah. So propitiation is is a there's a great book. If you ever want to read a great book on it's called the cross of Christ by John Stott. And, and he is, his chapter on propitiation is probably the best explanation of pro, of the doctrine of propitiation I've ever read. I, I would encourage anyone to read that who's, who's wants to dig into it a little bit more. Um, but the next word is redemption and redemption is this idea that Jesus purchases us at the price of his own life, securing our deliverance from the bondage and the condemnation of sin. We see this, you know, great passage of scripture that explains this more is Colossians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. So it's this idea that we've been, we've been bought with his blood. We see, you know, a lot of times we'll see these, 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 this terminology, these words in, in uh, songs we sing, but these are, this is, that's the idea of redemption. Um, Another word is, reconciliation. And so this is the idea that Jesus brings us near and makes peace with God through his death and resurrection. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 through 19 talk about that we who have been who are far off were brought near to God and made peace. And so that that fracturing that took place in the garden when 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 shame and and guilt entered into the world, we are now brought into a proper peace relationship with God. That's what that word reconciliation means. And so that's another act of the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, Another one is adoption. This idea that we have been brought into God's family through Jesus. We see this explained in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, this idea that we have been adopted as sons. So it's not just we have been made we have been justified, made right relationship. We have been reconciled. We have now peace with God, but we now have been adopted. So now the fullness, all of the all of the rights and the privileges that Jesus has as the Son is now are are now ours. So so the fullness of of the position is is so much more than just okay. God's okay with you. It's the it's what Jesus talked about when in his high priestly prayer when he said, 
I want the same love by which existed within the Father and I, you are now entering into that Trinitarian love. That is a profound expression of the love of God. And I think we just, that that should blow our minds when we understand these, these positions have been given to us through Jesus. One of the things that you've mentioned several times um, in in your explanations has been, this is the act by which God, this yeah. is the act by which God. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to pause here and notice this. Our salvation has nothing to do with our actions and everything to do with God's actions. Mm-hmm. How we use our salvation, mm-hmm. how we fulfill, how we complete, how we... How we um, you know, mature in our relationship with God, God assigns that to us. Mm. But, you know, whether you're talking about justification, that's an act by God upon which we are declared righteous. Right. In the future, when we are when we are glorified and no longer have the sin nature, that will be an act by God, whereby mm. we will become perfect. Mm-hmm. And and so this this notion that we bring anything to God or bring anything to salvation or any that we have any power to save ourselves mm. is just totally contrary to the doctrine of soteriology. Mm, yeah. So I think it's really important to understand, you know, what, what we just went over, this idea of we have we have this incredible position given to us by God. So part of part of salvation, part of these doctrines is to work in us this sense of worship and celebration. Mm. That's why when every, every Sunday when Christians sing about these kinds of things, we never get we never get tired of it. We never get never get grows old because we never fully we're always grasping more and more about how much the, the sin that the sinner that we are, but we're also grasping more and more the depth of God's love for us and what we have what he has accomplished for us. And so you mentioned something there at the in the last two ideas that I think, you know, just to to fit in here today is this idea of sanctification and glorification. So it's this idea, it's the this is the all of the things of justification, propitiation, redemption, reconciliation, adoption. These are these are positional changes, relationship changes that we now have. And now the fullness of the work of salvation now is is manifested in our lives where by which the spirit of God works in us to make us like Jesus. So this word this idea of sanctification is we are we are being saved progressively from the power of sin. So just like we were saved, you know, when the moment you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, your salvation is secure. Um and and at that moment all of these positional changes, justification, all these things, they are true of you. But that doesn't mean that you never struggle with sin anymore. That this is the, the ongoing process, the guarantee of inheritance of Jesus Christ is, hey, he who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it into the day of Jesus Christ. And so there's this idea of sanctification, you being saved from the power of sin progressively. And then eventually, as it says in Romans chapter eight, those whom God foreknows, he also calls those whom he calls, he justifies those whom he justifies, he will glorify. There's this promise of being saved from the presence, the complete presence of sin, that one day when you and I get to heaven or when Jesus comes back, there is going to be a complete work of salvation by which there's no more flesh. There's no more, yeah, I really struggle with still wanting to do these these kinds of things, that the work of salvation will be complete in that moment. So, all right, we got two minutes left. <laughs> Josh, any questions? 
Yeah, but I don't know if I've got any two-minute questions. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to save them for the next episode. All right, okay. Um, Dan, this is so we basically just covered. That's these yeah, are all I'm, the works of salvation. I, and again, there, are, there, there, there's a room full of books written on on this topic and and volumes on each of the, yeah. the subsets of these. But I, I think by familiarizing familiarizing ourselves with these terms, we at least position ourselves to 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 begin to learn at a deeper level. Yeah. Um, and and you know the salvation is simple and salvation is complex. Yes. yes. Um, it, it's simple in that it requires so little of us. It mm. requires us to believe, repent, have faith. Mm, but mm. it costs God literally. The thing he loved the most. That's right. And and so um, as as we explore this, uh, as we learn every new layer, <clears throat> and as we chase these rabbits into their holes mm. and and explore those, I I think one of the things that we will always come away with is this: that God desires a relationship right. with us, That's and there right. was no price He was unwilling to pay mm. in order to ensure that. Yeah. There is a wrath that is to come. Paul mm. mentioned that, mm-hmm. and the wrath to come is eventually going to come, but we are in a state of grace right now mm. and that God has withheld the wrath to come to give us the opportunity to be reconciled with him. Mm. People are always asking me, well, why hasn't God done this? And why doesn't God deal with this? And, why? and God doesn't deal with everything the way we want it dealt with mm. right now because mm-hmm. he's merciful. Mm-hmm. And he, we are in this pause of history whereupon we can respond to the opportunity that God has given us, but that is not forever. Yeah, And so I'm hoping that any of our listeners uh, today, as you you hear some of this, you may ask yourself, uh, you know, do I really know I'm going to heaven? Is there are there any questions that that you might have that we could answer? I hope that you'll mm. uh, write us if you would send us an email, uh, call us at the church, um, uh, send us send us a note at lifetalks at lifecharlotte.com. We'd be glad to get you information on how you can know for sure you have a relationship with Christ, that your salvation is secure, that heaven is your destination, and uh, and so join, well, let, let us join you on your journey to peace with God, mm. and you'll experience the peace of God in ways that you've never imagined. Mm. So always, we thank you so much for joining us at Life Talks. We hope that you'll uh, tune into it uh, each episode as we continue to unfold Theology 101. And as always, thanks for joining us here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.